Vrindavan Dhamma Kija, Maturi Dhamma Kija, Nabhadri Mayapur Dhamma Kija, Jagannath Puri Dhamma Kija, Gadamaya Dhuna Devi Kija, Bhakti Devi Kija, Tulsi Maharani Kija, Samaveta Bhakti Rinda Kija, Gorkhamananda Devi. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Vishnu Prasthaya Bhutale. Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Kutinavani Namaste Sarasvati Deva. Gauravani Pachami Namaste Sarasvati Deva. Randeham Sri Guru. Sri Tapa Kamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavastha. Shri Rupam Sadhujatam Sagana Ravinatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadhuvitam Parijana Sarita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Ravita Shri Vishakam Vitam Shacham Panchakalpa Chivashaki Pasini Canto 6, Chapter 3, Yamaraja Instructs His Messengers, Text 22. Indeed, loke asmin, in this material world, punsam, of the living entities, dharma, the religious principles, paraha, transcendental, smritaha, recognize, bhakti yoga, bhakti yoga or devotional service, bhagavati, to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, not to the demigods. Tut, his, Nama, of the Holy Name, Rahana Adivihi, beginning with chanting. Okay, so who can remember a few verses ago that first line where Yamaraj defined where Dharma comes from? Can you remember that first line in Sanskrit? Good, good. Dharma Tushaksha, good. Pranita. Dharma Tushaksha. Bhagavat. That's the most important word, right? Because it's coming from God. So, Dharma Tushaksha, two. But, Dharma, you understand Dharma, two. Saksha is, what Saksha mean? Directly. Bhagavat is? Pranitam is manifest. Alright, and who is the or who are the people who take the Dharma from God that's manifest from God and demonstrate it? Yesterday's verse. 
The Mahajanas and who are they? Anybody can remember? Bhishma. Narada. Yamaraj. Brahma. Four Kumaras. Bali. Bali. Did we say Janaka already? Prahlad, Janaka. Sukadev. We already said Brahma. Brahma. Lord Brahma. Lord we already said Lord Brahma. Shiva. Okay, everybody remember the Sanskrit? What does it start with? Kapila. With that. Kapila, good. Said Janaka. Swainbu, who is Swainbu? Brahma. Next one was? Narada. What was the next one? No. Shambhu. Lord Shiva. Swainbu. This, this, this is the verses everybody should know, okay? This is verses to no. Swainbu, Narada, Shambhu. Without looking. Kumara, next. Kapilo. Manu. Manu. Yeah, everybody forgot about Manu. Okay, next one. Pralad. Pralado. Janako. Bishma. Bali. Vyasakir. This is your home fun assignment. It's just a bunch of names. It's not so hard to remember. Dharmana to Shakshad Bhagavad Pranita. And then, what's the next one? Can we try it again without looking? Swayambhu, Narada, Shambhu, Kumara, Kapilo, Manu, Pralado, Jataka, Bhishma. Balin, Vyasakir, who's Vyasakir? Vayam, who's Vayam? Yamaraj, because he's talking about himself. Alright, so what we've come to right now is, and, and this, remember, this is all brought up because the Yamadudas said, hey, what's Dharma? Right? We had this conversation between the Vishnu Dudas and the Yamadudas, and they're discussing what's Dharma. And the Yamadudas said, hey, Dharma is whatever is given in the Vedas. The rituals in the Vedas, which Ajamiel had violated. He broke the rules. And the Vishnu Dudas said, nope, you're wrong. Take him anyway. So then they asked Yamaraja, it's one of their questions, was what's Dharma? So they had the question, how can there be many gods? Who were these people? What's Dharma? Because they couldn't answer these questions themselves. So Yamaraj says, Dharma comes from God. These are the people who know what it is. Well, what is it? So in this verse he's saying what it is. Translation. Devotional service beginning with the chanting of the holy name of the Lord is the ultimate religious principle for the living entity in human society. Why do you think Yamaraj particularly mentioned beginning with chanting the holy name of the Lord? 
Not only because it's true, but also because Ajahn Mutant. Exactly. So that was the only demonstration of Dharma that Ajahnmyal did when the Yamadudas were there, correct? Yes? So if, if Yamaraja had just said bhakti yoga, it was not bhakti yoga, what bhakti yoga is he doing? A beginning with Purport. As stated in the previous verse, Dharma Bhagavatam, real religious principles are Bhagavad Dharma. The principles described in Srimad Bhagavatam itself or in the Bhagavad Gita, the preliminary study of the Bhagavatam. What are these principles? The Bhagavatam says, Dharma Prodi Chakaitavacha. In Srimad Bhagavatam, there are no cheating religious systems. Everything in the Bhagavatam is directly connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Bhagavatam further says, The Supreme Religion is that which teaches its followers how to love the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond the reach of experimental knowledge. That's the word Arhokshaja. Such a religious system begins with Tan Nama Brahmana, chanting of the holy name of the Lord, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Parasevanam. After chanting the holy name of the Lord and dancing in ecstasy, one gradually sees the form of the Lord, the pastimes of the Lord, and the transcendental qualities of the Lord. This way one fully understands the situation of the personality of Godhead. One can come to this understanding of the Lord, how he descends into the material world, how he takes his birth, and what activities he performs, but one can know this only by executing devotional service. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Bhaktimam Abhijanati, simply by devotional service, one can understand everything about the Supreme Lord. Now, can you really understand everything? Is it possible to understand everything? Does Krishna understand everything about himself? It's the bonus question. We should have a piece of burfi for this one. Yes, no. No. We have some people who say yes, some people who say no. Okay? The yes people... Explain, how does Krishna know everything about himself? Yes? Because we have to achieve perfection to get back to the Godhead. I'm talking about Krishna. That was an excellent answer, but it was the right answer to, it was the right answer to a different question. So my question is, I will repeat it and make it clear, yes. does Krishna know everything about himself? No. Well, who's, did somebody say yes? Anybody want to say yes? He's the source of all knowledge, okay? And those of you who say no, how is it that Krishna doesn't know everything about himself? Yes? He doesn't know everything, and the next moment he knows everything. He does know everything, and the next moment he knows everything. Hmm. All right, we'll take that under consideration. Any other ideas in the no group? Yes? He doesn't know why he's so attractive. Then he comes as Mahaprabhu and he figures it out. So he's not knowing, he's always not knowing as Krishna and he's always knowing as Mahaprabhu. So that's kind of interesting. He's always simultaneously knowing and not knowing. But that was excellent. What's another no answer? You said no, what was your reason, Prabhuji? You said no? Yes. So what was your reason for no? He, he didn't know 
imati sredarani film, ki srpskim. That's why he manifested like Radharani and Krishna. Okay, so same kind of thing. You're giving the evidence from Chaitanya Charitamrita that he had things about himself he didn't know. And therefore he appeared as Lord Chaitanya. If he would know, it wouldn't be necessary to manifest. If he already knew, he wouldn't be necessary. I'm repeating because it says here I'm supposed to repeat, so. I'm following some instructions. I don't follow all the instructions, but at least I follow some of the instructions. <laughs> Any other answer about no? Sometimes he also gets bewildered. Sometimes he also gets bewildered. Of course, we could say that that's rasa. But uh, what you were saying, he doesn't know and then he knows. This is really heavy. It says that the Lord is constantly expanding, yeah? Right? He's always expanding. And so his knowledge is running to keep up with his expansion. So he's expanding and he knows himself and he's expanding and he knows himself. Uh, so therefore he never knows himself fully. In fact, Seishinaga has been, who's also himself, has been talking about himself forever and he never finishes. Don't we always like to know more about ourselves? Right? I, I, think, I always think it's funny that if people go to an astrologer or a palm reader, they get excited if the astrologer tells them things about themselves that they already know. I always find that interesting. Oh, it's a very good astrologer. He told me things about myself I already know. Okay? I'm not sure what the benefit of that was. But we always like to learn more about ourselves. If we got to the point that we had learned everything about ourselves, we would become bored. Huh? So what does Prabhupada mean here? Because he said it twice now. To understand everything. One can fully understand, and he said one can know everything. So what does that mean? If Krishna doesn't know everything about himself, if he's enjoying discovering things about himself, what does it mean that the devotee fully understands or knows everything? Enough to go back to Any other within the relationship with Krishna. Within the relationship with Krishna. Some other thoughts. Enough to distinguish between Krishna and Maya. Um, there's definitions the devotee is Swarat because he gets information directly from Krishna. He's Swarat because he gets information directly from If you're connected to the Parampara, you know everything. When we say, do you know everything, does that mean that you're going to know how to fix a car? If you're connected to the Parampara, is that what we mean by everything? No. You're going to know how to spell words in Swahili? No. So we don't mean that kind of everything. What do we mean by everything? If you're connected to the Parampara, what everything will you know? You are a soul. Okay, you'll know your own identity, that you're a soul. I, this is an important question because sometimes we think that the pure devotees knowing everything means that as soon as you're a pure devotee, you know literally everything about everything. In the context of Krishna consciousness. In the context of Krishna consciousness, everything. Okay, that was a lovely, vague answer. 
I mean, uh, my husband told me that when he met with Prabhupada, when he was a brahmachari, he had uh, he had had a job as a brahmachari anyway, and so he had some money saved up, and he wanted to buy a tape recorder for Prabhupada to travel with. So he asked Shri Prabhupada, Prabhupada, what is the best tape recorder to buy? And Prabhupada said, that I do not know. And my husband said, he was thinking, oh, maybe he's not a pure devotee. If he doesn't know, what is the best tape recorder? That he had some doubt. And then Prabhupada paused and he said, but I have heard that Tanberg is very nice. So my husband bought him a Tanberg tape recorder. But he said he had that doubt. Prabhupada doesn't know. He doesn't know what's the best tape So we have this idea that if you're fully Krishna conscious, you know, you'll know how to make a watch, or you'll know how to speak Swahili, or you'll know, right? You'll know how to do open heart surgery. And we kind of had this idea at the beginning of the movement that if you were, you know, attending Mangalarti, following the principles and chanting 16 rounds, that you were automatically qualified to do anything, which didn't end up being a very good policy. Okay, going on with the purport. If one fortunately understands the Supreme Lord in this way, the result is Tvarkvadeham Punarjanmanaiti, which is what you were saying. After giving up his material body, he no longer has to take birth in this material world. Instead, he returns home back to Godhead. That is the ultimate perfection. Therefore, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 8.15, After attaining me, the great souls who are yogis in devotion never return to this temporary world which is full of miseries because they have attained the highest perfection. Eitavan eva lokesmin pumsam dharma parasmitaha bhakti yoga bhagavati Devotional service, beginning with the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, is the ultimate religious principle for the living entity in human society. So now the mystery has been solved. What is it? What is uh, the ultimate religion? So uh, yesterday one devotee sent me a a little video of this man who had a near-death experience. You've heard of that? where people, they die and they have some out-of-body experience and they come back to their body. So it was this elderly man who had some kind of very serious medical condition and in the hospital they uh, actually had him like artificially die. They stopped this, they took his body temperature down very low and so his heart stopped, his brain stopped so they could do this very dangerous surgery on him. And he was, basically speaking, dead for about an hour and a half. And in that experience, he said that he heard and felt the presence of God. And he said he wasn't a religious person before that. And he asked God, what is the purpose of life? And the answer he was given was love. And that is indeed what Yamaraj is saying here. Bhakti yoga. So literally, what does that mean? Bhakti means love and devotion as manifests in service. <coughs> Prabhupada uses the word devotional service. Yogaha means connection. And uh, here we have bhakti yoga, bhagavati, so loving service in connection with the Supreme, which as we were talking about, uh, 
yeah, I think it was yesterday, that when we love God, we naturally love everybody else. We naturally love all of his parts and parcels. We not only love all living beings, we even love all objects. We love everyone and everything uh, because everyone and everything is part of God. And that is the ultimate religion. Now, you'd say, well, that seems really simple. Why is it such a secret, mysterious thing that hardly anyone understands it? Even, you know, they were saying in the mode of goodness you can't, in the previous verse, the mode of goodness you can't really understand it. Even the great demigods can't understand it. And I think sometimes, just like Prabhupada says that in one lecture, people don't like a simple thing. He says if you tell them, just worship the Lord, love the Lord, chant Hare Krishna, they say, no, no, that, that's too easy. They say, oh, I, I want to stand on my head and, you know, breathe in this way. It has to be something complicated. And Prabhupada talks in that lecture about homeopathic medicine. That makes me reminded how Prabhupada was a pharmacist. He said, homeopathic medicine, it's very easy to take, but people don't, they think, oh, it must not work. He said they want some bitter medicine and some difficult uh, medical regime. Otherwise, they feel it can't be effective. Oh, it's too simple. How could it be so simple? How could it be so easy? We just have to love. And Prabhupada said devotional service is simple for the simple. And many times Prabhupada would say, we can achieve perfection how fast? In one second. In one second. You know, in one second. But many times we're thinking, well, we've got to do the Bhagavanam Janmanam Mante Yanavamam Prabhupada of course, that verse is about the jnani. It's not about the, the bhakta. For the bhakta, it can actually be immediate. But we, we tend to resist it. How can it be that simple? All I have to do is, is love God. That's all I have to do. I don't really have to do anything else. So why is it that it's just that simple? All you have to do is love God. And it's so simple that people miss it. Have you ever missed something that was right in front of you? That was simple? Yes? Everybody? Have you done that? You're looking for a solution and trying so many complicated things and you find that it was very simple? Has everybody had this experience? Sometimes we're trying to fix something for, you know, years and we find that, oh, it's just a very simple thing. So why it's such a simple thing? Well, first of all, it gets to the very root of, the, of all of the problems that we have. What are the, what's the root of all of the problems that we feel disconnected from Krishna? We feel disconnected from our bodies. We're disconnected from our minds, from our very self, from other people, from things. We have this, this sense of being separated we don't understand. We don't understand who we are, no matter how we define ourselves as a soul, as the mind, as the body. We don't really understand ourselves. We don't really understand other people. We don't understand other creatures. We don't understand how the world works. And when you don't understand things, you make all kinds of mistakes, isn't it? I was visiting a devotee a few weeks ago, and uh, we were supposed to, he was supposed to drive me that day. To another temple in a distant city. And she said, I'm going to take my daughter through a, a corn labyrinth. You know what that is? You know what corn is? Maze? 
Corn, what do you call that? Okay. And you know what a labyrinth is, like a maze? You know what that is? Labyrinth, right? And labyrinth, okay, there you go. And she said, I'll be back in an hour. And how long do you think it took her to get back? About four hours. So we arrived at our destination very late. So if we don't know how things work, if we're disconnected, then our life is like some big labyrinth. We don't know what to do. We're thinking, if I do this thing in this way, this, then I will achieve my desires. But is that always true? We have our plans and we follow our plans. Do they always work? Do anybody here have plans that always work? Sometimes do your plans achieve the opposite of what you thought? Does that happen? You make a plan and you work at it very hard and you really stick to it and you get the opposite. We were talking about that the other day on the level of society even. Right? We gave some examples. Remember some of the examples we gave of opposite results on societal levels? Anybody remember? Huh? Abortion and birth control has increased the number of illegitimate children. What was another example? Cars. I didn't give that one, but that would be a good one. Yes, government giving money to single women. It's actually increased the number of single women. Single mothers. Yeah? The Green Revolution, yes. Which meant, when we say now green, we mean something different. But the, originally, the Green Revolution meant artificial chemicals, artificial fertilizers, and, and pesticides. It, it complicated world hunger instead of solving it. Gave us another example. Remember of the hearing impaired people? The doctors having to get an interpreter for people who were deaf. It meant that they got less medical care instead of more. So on a societal level, our plans often don't work or they have the opposite result on an individual level because we don't know what we're doing. We're separated from truth. We, we perceive things differently from what they are. And that is the source of all of our problems. Does that make logical sense? If we could perceive things the way they are, then wouldn't we do things properly? And we wouldn't suffer, yes? Does it make logical sense to everybody? This is the definition of maya. The definition of maya is you perceive things in a way different to what they actually are. We perceive our motives differently from what they are. We perceive our actions differently from what they are. We perceive our identity different from what it is. We perceive others' motives, others' identity differently from what they are. Am I correct? We perceive the, the, the laws of nature differently from what they are. And so we're constantly making poor decisions. Constantly. This body is a result of many poor decisions that we have made in this life and in the previous life. That's what it is. So the root of the problem is if I see things the way they are. Tatva darshina. If I can see the truth. If I can live in truth. 
And what is the truth? That everything, that God is everywhere and everything, pervading everything, that everything and everyone is connected with him. That is the truth. And how are the, how, what is the basis of that connection? The basis of that connection is reciprocal service and affection. That's the basis of that connection. Like, why are we connected to our things? We have some feeling of connection with our phone, with our shoes, whatever, with our money, whatever you may have. Why? We have some affection for it, isn't it? Don't you have some affection for your things? Yes? Yes? Yes, yes of course. I had a, a, a funny experience. Um, this was about a year ago. I got a new phone and it was bigger and it was gold. And my other phones had always been small and black. So right after I got my new phone, usually I don't have my phone when I'm giving class at all, but I've had somehow I have my phone with me. And usually I don't take it out. I have, I have this thing to record, I don't record on the phone. And many times, I mean, it's not here, not here, but many times where I go, people put their phones near me to record. So many times all around me are people's phones. Anyways, I had this new phone, and I had to look up something. Somebody asked me to look up a verse. I took up my phone, I looked up the verse, and I put it down. And guess what I did? I forgot about it. I was actually getting in the car to leave. Oh, your phone, your phone. Because I hadn't established any affection with that phone yet. I had just bought it. I, I didn't have a connection with it. So then what I did, I took out my phone, I looked at it like, this is my phone. This is my, this is my phone. I didn't print it on my consciousness. And that's, you know, that's our connection with other people. I have some emotion connected. Even it may be a negative emotion. It's still, I have some emotional connection. So Krishna has an emotional connection with everything. And when we get that emotional connection with Krishna, then we immediately understand how everything is linked and how everything works. That doesn't necessarily mean that we know how to fix a broken car. But we understand the principle of the car and we understand how the car is related to the Lord. Actually, when we see the car, we don't really see the car. We see the Lord's energy. And then all of our decisions, all of our actions, all of our thoughts, being in harmony with reality, always bring us all the fulfillment of our desires. As Prabhupada's quoting here, Sabaipam Samparodhamma. We become fully satisfied because everything we're doing is real. When I first came here, we were reading the Bhagavad Gita verse about the real and the unreal. When I know the truth about everything and how everything is connected, I also know the truth about myself. And I know how I am, I know my place who I am, where I belong. We're always trying to figure this out. Now it's become very popular with DNA testing, right? Spending whatever it is, $100, $150. What is your ancestry, physically? 
And of course, sometimes when people do these tests, uh, they find out that biologically they're not who they thought they were. You read about this? People get this genetic testing and they find out the person they thought was their father was not their father. It's, just, it's become a big thing now. You know, and then they go to their mother and they're like, uh, who's my father? She's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then they have to go to, they go to their brothers and sisters, uh, only your half-sister. Where some white supremacist finds out that he's 25% black African. So people are trying to find out their identity or they take some, you know, vocational aptitude tests and personality tests or they look at their horoscope. We want to find out who am I, where do I fit, where do I belong? How am I connected? But when we connect with Krishna, we really understand that. We understand that in the actual, eternal, spiritual way. And we actually understand on the physical platform also. And when we connect with the Lord with love, we revive our relationship. Each of us has a particular individual relationship with the Lord. It's not just a general thing. Oh, I love the Lord. How do you love the Lord? Even material love is not general, it's specific. We have affection for so many living beings, but that affection is different. If you have more than one child, your affection for each child is a little different, correct? Like our affection for our mother, it's a little different than for our father. And if we have more than one brother or sister, our affection for each of them is also a little different. You can say, I, I love both my sisters, or I love my brother and my sister, but I don't love them exactly the same. It's different. So my relationship with Krishna, my relationship with Krishna is not exactly the same as your relationship, or your relationship, or your relationship. Each coward boy has a different relationship. I mean, it's so extreme that uh, if you have a plant, I can... Okay, there's a plant right there. Some leaves you can see next to Prabhupada. If you took one of those branches and looked at the leaves, would any leaf be exactly the same as any other leaf? On the same plant, on the same branch. So we understand ourselves and we feel completely satisfied. I know who I am, where I belong, what I'm meant to do. I'm doing exactly the expression of myself for some higher purpose that has eternal meaning. And therefore, we find full satisfaction. But in a way that's dynamic. It's not like, okay, now I know everything about Krishna. Now I know everything about myself. Okay, done. Now let's do something else. Because even Krishna doesn't know everything about himself. So that knowing everything is dynamic and expanding and it's actually full of mystery. That one is always learning more and more about Krishna, more and more about oneself, and more and more about everything. And the process for making this connection is the nine processes of bhakti yoga, or we can say the 64 angas of yoga. And why do we say starting with the name? 
because the name is the most accessible. If you're going to do Archana, then you need to be trained in Archana. You have to have a guru. You have to be trained in Archana. There has to be a murti to worship. I mean, you could have a murti in your mind. You could do Archana in your mind. Not so accessible. Even hearing, if you're going to hear, there has to, you have to have a book, or you have to have a recording, or you have to have another person to hear from. Yes? If you're going to remember, you have to remember what you've heard. But the name, you don't need anything. We can go out on the street, and we can give people the name. Yes? They don't have to have any. Back, all the other things require some, some background, some prerequisites, some situation. But the name, no, everybody. One always has the name. <coughs> At least mentally. So therefore the name is considered the most merciful. That the incarnation of the Lord in His name is available to everybody all the time. In any circumstance. In terrible suffering, in terrible joy, in wealth, in poverty, in honor, in dishonor, one always has the name. Sometimes devotees say, I've lost everything. Lost everything, what would that mean? It would mean, I think, you know, I, many years ago I read the story of a man captured during the Vietnam War and he was in solitary confinement in a North Vietnam prison for seven years and beaten and chained to a concrete slab. That's kind of losing everything. No contact with the family, no contact with the other prisoners. I mean, they made a way with, like, tapping on the wall that they could communicate one sentence in 24 hours. If they got caught, they would get beaten. You know, and full of diseases and that's losing everything. But guess what he had in a North Vietnamese prison? He had the name of God. And he hadn't been a particularly religious person. He said when he was parachuting from the, when they shot his airplane, he was parachuting down. He said for the first time in like 20 years, he remembered some prayer he had learned in his childhood. And he said when he was in prison, what was he remembering? Songs about God. That was what he had. <coughs> Nothing else, but he had that. That's, that's really losing everything. And still he had the name. One of my god sisters who passed away a few years ago had a stroke that left her with basically no ability. She couldn't remember anyone or anything. She did, couldn't speak except just to say the Hare Krishna mantra. That was all she had. For many years she was like that. Unfortunately, she had no devotional family. So her sister, who wasn't a devotee, was her next of kin, and her sister didn't like devotees. So her sister put her in a medical facility that was many, many, many hours from the temple, you know, where she had no association. But she was always chanting. And devotees would sometimes go visit her, and they said, oh, she was Hare Krishna. She still had the name. So the name is the most merciful. The name is always accessible. And from the name, all other realization can come. 
That doesn't mean, as we were talking about last night, that all other realization can't come from other service. One can get all realization from serving the deity. One can get all realization from reading the Bhagavatam. One can get all realization from eating prasad. From association with devotees. One can get all realization from taking a drop of charnamrita water, from following the Rathyatra card, from smelling the incense offered to the Lord, which we hardly ever get to do in this contemples anymore. Everybody puts incense out. I keep thinking, why don't we just get good quality incense? But it's one of my things. Well, I visit Oman, and in Oman they have the real deal. Which was very funny, because the devotees in Oman who were all from India were buying things from India. I'm like, why are you buying things from India? It's here. This is the real frankincense. Go to the market and get it. Anyway, just by smelling the incense, just by smelling the flower, just by seeing devotee, by serving the deity, any of the things we do in bhakti can give us, as Prabhupada saying here, the form of the Lord, the pastimes, the qualities of the Lord. Everything we do has that ability. So, there we are. We have the, the most secret things, Raja Vija, Raja Guna. The most secret, the things that, the, the most simple, obvious answer that pretty much everybody misses. They're looking for something complicated, they're looking for something really you know, challenging, and they miss it. So we've got it. All we have to do is do it. So questions, comments, additions, subtractions? Yes. Microphones. Which half the time doesn't work very well. We also say that our process is process of search through realization. Yes. So the lecture was about gaining knowledge, and you were many times saying that we have this intense self interest whether we identify with whatever facility inside or covering or with the soul. Is it working? Is it working or no? no. Battery's okay. dead. Battery's dead. Okay, so then I have to repeat what you said. So... What? My, my mic works. Just forget about that mic. I'll just repeat. So you, the first thing you said was our process is described as Prabhuji, our process is de- described as self-realization and we have an inten- intense self-interest. Whatever self we identify with. Okay. Ah, you got a microphone back. Maybe, hopefully. So our Maharaj told me once that uh, uh, basic uh, this 
motives in material world, one of them or two of them are uh, to be one with everything and to be separate uh, from everything both. Uh, so, uh, by, by getting knowledge about ourselves, we are kind of always directed outside of ourselves. We, we, but still, we are ourselves, we are not everything. So, how is with that when we get more and more liberated? Who we are? Are we? What, what kind of this self, uh, self? Uh, um, <coughs> what kind of feeling about ourselves? Are we completely selfless, or, or how, how does it look? I mean, it seems kind of paradoxical. Uh, it is actually paradoxical. Yeah. I mean, it is. No, it is paradoxical. Mm. One of the, the qualities of Krishna is that he's paradoxical. Yeah. And that oh, he, has, he walks and he doesn't walk. He's near and he's far. We're one with him and we're separate from him. So he is full of these kind of paradoxes, which is uh, part of why people have so much difficulty understanding how the world is both beautiful and ugly how the, the nature is both kind and cruel. He is full of these paradoxes. So our self, do we have any self-interest in a liberated state? Yes, but our self-interest is connected with the whole. And we don't experience it as a separate self-interest. I mean, if you think of it uh, as a material example, which will not be perfect, but to give you some idea, if you've ever worked for a really good company or a really good organization or a really good manager or a really good boss, like I had an experience uh, in the 90s where I came to Denmark to do some service. And the management structure and the team that was doing the service were just pretty much perfect. And so I could completely absorb myself in the service I was doing. I didn't have to think about myself and my needs at all, on any level. Everything I needed physically was just taken care of and perfectly without my having to think about it. Everything I needed to do my service was provided to the top level of what I needed without my having to think about it or ask for it or anything. And psychologically, it was a service that if somebody had custom-designed a perfect fit service for Ermila's psychology, that would have been it. It was exactly fit my, my intellectual, mental, emotional nature and needs. I had whatever I needed to do it. Without my asking, it was just there immediately. I had everything physically that I needed. Spiritually, it was a very enlivening community. The morning programs were enlivening. The atmosphere was out in the country. It was beautiful. I mean, on every single level, everything I could possibly want and needed was just given to me without my having to make any effort at all. And I fully focused on the service that I was doing. So... My, my, my thought of taking care of myself and satisfying myself was absent. I was able to be absorbed in that service, I mean, every possible waking minute of the day, probably about 12 to 14 hours a day. 
I was able to, to focus on what I was doing because I could. I didn't have to take any of my physical, mental, emotional energy for myself. So, what I understand is that full realization of Krishna consciousness is basically like that. You're giving everything to Krishna without a thought for yourself. Not because you're repressing your, you know, it's not like some kind of cult or some kind of dictatorship or, or, or something, you know, it's like you're in prison where you're repressing all of your needs and you're squashing them and you're trying to become a nothing. So you give everything to Krishna like he's some kind of, you know, Hitler and you have nothing. It's not like that. But I'm part of Krishna. When I give everything to him, I'm naturally satisfied. You know, my, my hand doesn't have to think about its own interest. It only has to think about the interest of the body. So if you've had any experience even close to that, where you're just so taken care of that you, you just don't have to think about your needs at all. In any way whatsoever. You just you just focus on giving. You know, there are many companies and organizations that really try to, to treat their employees like that. I mean, obviously, if you're not Krishna, you can't do it completely. It, just, it doesn't work. You know, I, I was only there for three weeks. If I had been there for three years, I'm sure that wouldn't have been able to be sustained. I was dealing with jivas, I wasn't. That's some idea. So the pure devotees forget themselves. They forget themselves because they're just automatically satisfied. They don't have to make a separate effort to be satisfied. Therefore, they forget about themselves. They focus totally on Krishna and the other. And everyone is like that. So in in an association where everybody is in prema bhakti, everybody is liberated, everybody is giving to everyone without any thought of themselves. Everyone is appreciating everyone without being concerned about how much they're being appreciated. But they are being appreciated because if everybody is appreciating everybody, then everybody gets appreciated. But nobody is thinking, I didn't get appreciated. Wait a minute. You follow? They never think about it. They never think about my appreciation. My prasadam or my room or my clothes. They don't need to. So everybody's always thinking about others. And that way they feel fully who they are and fully satisfied in who they are. You can't artificially imitate that. It doesn't work. Go ahead and try, but you will become very unhappy. It doesn't work. Because when we try to artificially imitate that, we just suppress a bunch of stuff. And then eventually comes out and we feel frustrated. Is that okay? Yes? Do we have still a working microphone? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yes. Can you hand it to the person behind you? (laughs) He was behind you, you know. Yes? Perfection in one moment. Uh, what's mean perfection? Love or Prabhupada says uh, we can get perfection in one moment. 
What does that mean? Yeah, it means love, affection. If love. we well, many times Prabhupada will say surrender, but that surrender is not a military surrender. It's not. I wish I had won the war, but you know the other guy was stronger, and I've been defeated. I don't want to surrender, but I don't really have much of a good choice. So. Okay. <laughs> surrender. I hope you don't kill me. I hope you don't torture me. I hope you follow the Geneva Convention. <laughs> no, it's not like that. <laughs> It's the kind of um, it's the kind of surrender people do when they get married. Yeah, when when people get married, if I should say this, you know, you never really know somebody. You could you could even have lived with them for a few years. In fact, people who live together before marriage are more likely to get divorced. Twice as likely. Anyway. You know, you could have known them for since childhood. Do all the astrological charts, ask all their friends. But you're surrendering. You, you jump in, you're going, all right, where is this going? I don't know. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. It's that surrender. People, when they get married, generally, they're totally in love with each other. Generally. Not always, but generally. Ah, I surrender. I don't know anything about what that means. But here we go. (laughs) Or the surrender when you have a child. That's even more extreme. At least with a spouse, you can look at them, meet them, look at the horoscope and ask their family. With the child, you have no idea who you're getting. Yeah, any idea at all. You don't know if you're getting a boy or a girl. You don't know if they're going to be healthy or sick. You don't know what kind of personality they have. Not anything about them whatsoever. And you're like, we're going to have a child. Here's my baby. And you're surrendering. Blindly, really. Especially being a parent. I think of all the things you could possibly do. It's totally blind. And we're all so excited about it. Oh, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have babies. What's that going to be like? Oh, wonderful. That kind of surrender. It's a surrender of, of love. I mean, if, we, if we're willing to surrender in this world, and most of us are, Of course, nowadays, I don't know, people don't have families anymore and everything's messed up. But in a normal society, we were normal, which we're not at all. Most people would be doing that. Most people would be getting married and have children. And they do it when they were very young, when they really didn't know what was going on. That, that jump 
of, of attachment and of love. But you know, we're, we're kind of like the person who is still not married at 55. You met these people? You know, well, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Or people who are together for like 15 years and they go, don't get married. You've met these people also? Well, I'm still not sure. <laughs> we're kind of like that with Krishna. We're kind of hanging out, you know. Like when Prabhupada saw a man and a woman living together, he'd say, get married. Yes? Always. I mean, sometimes he'd do it a little gently. He'd say, so... Do you plan on getting married? Sacha Bhagavan told me it was like this with her in Parliament. Do you plan on getting married? Do you plan on getting married? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? This Sunday is a very auspicious day for a wedding. We're going to have a wedding. Now, as I travel, I find more and more you know, devotees where they're, they're just living together without marriage. And I always say, get so we're kind of doing that with Krishna. We're kind of living with him, you know. And I'm kind of checking it out. Surrender already. I'm not really sure. I don't know. Are you going to hurt me? Are you going to cheat me? Are you really going to take care of me? What about my own freedom? And the moment was we, we, we say, yeah, okay. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what you're going to do with me. I don't know. But I'm just going to surrender. We do it materially. Why not do it with Krishna? Usually it takes a long time. We see other people who surrendered, and oh, that person surrendered, and I guess it worked out all right for him. Maybe I can do a little more. Okay. But that person surrendered and then they got in a car accident, so I don't know. Maybe I don't want to. I'll chant my rounds, but I won't really concentrate. I just sort of half concentrate. Because I don't want to really surrender. I'll read the book, but I won't really meditate. Because then, yeah, I keep a little something back over here. Yeah? Is that all right? And one day we're going to go, okay, I'm convinced. Woo! And they're like, why didn't I do that a long time ago? <laughs> Krishna's wonderful. Not some ordinary conditioned jiva who is going to disappoint, as all ordinary conditioned jivas will, by the way, even if they also chant Hare Krishna. Shiva Prabhupada Gita.